Um, but right now, um, I'm going to call uh, Barry up. So come on up, Barry, please. Give him a round of applause, welcoming. We'll see if we can make sure you got the right mic. Um, so uh, if you're a regular here, especially over the last few years, you might be thinking, who's this guy? Who's Barry and why is he up here? Well, Barry, I, I mentioned uh, earlier that you were, uh, we, we met down at SNBC. Um, and I didn't warn you about this question, but you were, you were on your way down. You'd, you'd put an advert in the, uh, in the SNBC kind of breezeway looking for a pastor. I think the advert said about 35 years old uh, with primary age kids. I was 24 with toddlers, uh, but, my, but my wife is excellent, I think was what I said. Um, so that's, that's um, you, you came, I think you came down on the train to maybe, yeah, what, 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 were you, what were you hoping and thinking and feeling as you, if you can remember, uh, came down on the train to SNBC? Yeah, I did come down the train from Morrisett to uh, Stratfield, mm. and you said this, I'll be there, redhead guy, uh, I'll meet you, pick you up and take you back to our home, and uh, you'll make me a coffee. It sounded good. Um, I didn't have a. It was a new venture for us, mm. you know. It was a whole new thing, um, and but I was impressed straight away. Although I didn't tell you that, it kept you in suspense. <laughs> um, but I went back, went back on the train, thinking and praying about what we talked about and how mm. you answered my questions and how we interacted. And I went back to the group saying, uh, "I think you know, this is very promising. We don't want to get carried away because it's our very first foray into finding the right man to mm. start this up and lead us forward. But I think we should definitely go further with Liam. Um, and so we invited you up to, to meet the group and to preach, I think, in the, for the mm. first visit. Um, and again, uh, we were impressed and we thought we we're on the right track here. And well, looking back over the years, we believe God was yeah. God is guiding us in that. And uh, we praise God for how he did lead us to call you to come up here and for all that he's done through you and uh, through others here. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's because um, I, I wasn't around, obviously, for that pre-looking for a pastor, praying about what, what it would look like. So it's a big thing. We, we, were, we were thinking about what we were going to do after college. And that first weekend we came up, uh, we actually, I think we drove straight from Canberra. We'd been down to Canberra for an interview with a bigger church on a, you know, Salary, huh, and all that kind of stuff. That was great. Um, yeah, and, and went down, and, and it was great. Went well, lovely people, um, fantastic church. Uh, but for whatever reason, we thought, yeah, we'll, 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 come, on, we'll come on up. And, yeah, I, we, we did a lot of praying. We obviously had a lot of conversations, but it, it just kind of felt right. We went, yeah, this, I think this is where God wants us. And obviously, you guys felt the same thing. Yeah. Yep. I, I guess um, look, looking into those... Uh, I guess that yeah, it was a couple couple of years before I came. How long was it? Yeah, two years. Yeah, two years. Yeah. Uh, you, you you guys did a lot of praying, yeah. uh, a lot of talking, and hoping. Uh, I don't want to say dreaming. It's the it's kind of hopeful planning, isn't it? When you're looking forward, um, what did those prayers look like? What were you praying for when you imagined together what kind of church? Yeah, I look back through. I, I went to the computer recently and hoping I had something there from back in those days. Mm. And I realised I had a lot of material, praise God. Uh, but I've, I've, I've just brought one little bit of it, okay? So this is actually notes from back in uh, February 2011. Wow, not changed? Not changed. Oh, I, I don't know what he's going to say. This is good, isn't it? Uh, so. uh, and this is what um, 
I'd written down as a result of our, our talking. We, and then you can think about what's happened, mm. okay? We see a need for this region to have a Bible-based, gospel-driven church. A church that puts a big emphasis on the preaching and teaching and application of the Word of God. A church that places a big emphasis on winning whole families to the Lord, with a particular focus on children. A church that puts absolute priority on making disciples. That is, a church with an emphasis on evangelism and discipleship. A church that is constantly reaching out to win people to the Lord. A church that is very intentional about helping new Christians to grow into disciples and encourages long-term Christians to stay passionate about their faith and their commitment to God and the things of God. Wow. Uh, and from my, uh, from an outside, now as an outsider, I believe that uh, God has answered our prayers. Yeah, yeah. Watching all the kids up here during the seed song. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite quite emotional, isn't it, to look yeah. at to think about that and and yeah. what a treasure to be able to dig that out and go, wow, I actually wrote these words twelve years ago, two thousand eleven, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'd, I'd love you to lead us all in prayer now, Barry, and give thanks, as we should, to God for, for so many things. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, Anna's going to come up and read the Bible for us. So thank you, Barry. Well, let's pray. Let's come before God. Not to us, our God, not to us, but to you be the glory. We give you our thanks and our praise, O God, for your great work amongst us. We want to thank you firstly for our salvation and we thank you again father son holy spirit for the gospel and for calling us to yourself we thank you for the gift of forgiveness and eternal life we thank you that you've adopted us into your family we thank you our god for the promise of eternal life and not only peace with you now but peace within ourselves and purpose in our lives because we know jesus and Father, we thank you for the history of this church. We thank you that you put it in the hearts of your people to pray for a new church in this area, a church that didn't have any history, a church that didn't have any baggage, but a, a new church that would be focused on the essentials, the majors of the Christian faith and happy to uh, discuss and negotiate about the secondary issues. We thank you that you gave us a burden to reach the lost and to build up believers in the faith. And we thank you, our God, that in that process of moving forward, you brought Liam into this church. And we thank you for his gifts and the way that you've used him to lead this church. We thank you for the others that you've brought in, for Rob and for all those people who are helping out in so many ways. We give you all the thanks and all the praise for this. We thank you for those people who have found Jesus through the ministry of this church. We thank you for those who have been built up in their faith through the ministry of this church. We thank you for marriages that have been strengthened and for family life that's been strengthened because of this church. And our God, we humbly and boldly thank you for what you are yet to do through Lake Mac Church in the future. 
We boldly look to you as the church expands and opens up a new place of worship north of here, that you would continue to grow your church. Lord God, please bring more people into your kingdom through this church and please build up more Christians in their faith through this church and that as Christians live out their faith, they'll be a witness for you in the Morissette region and far beyond. Help us to keep looking to you for guidance, for strength, for wisdom. Help us not to look ahead of you and not to lag behind. Help us, our God, to walk in step with you and to know and do your will for your honour and for your glory. And we pray all these things with our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has became, become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Well, uh, wasn't, wasn't that lovely to hear uh, Barry read that uh, excerpt from a, I don't know, a vision time, a, a prayer, a, a description together of what uh, that, that core team were hoping for. Uh, and, yeah, just what a, what, a, what a long way, what a long way we've come. Ten years ago, uh, that's, that's kind of what we looked like. That's, uh, that was from February 2013, so a little bit after uh, when, when Barry would have, would have shared that. But, but I wonder if 10 years ago, if I would have stepped out of that picture uh, and somehow managed to pull back a glimpse into the future, 10 years into the future, so kind of now, uh, what, what were we hoping for? Uh, and I, th I think, yeah, what, what, what were we praying for at that time? Uh, and, and I think it would have been very, very similar to what Barry just shared for growth. We've been hoping that we weren't still in the lounge room. <laughs> it was uh, as lovely and intimate as that was. Yeah, we'd, we'd want to see growth happen. Uh, we'd want to see these little kids uh, who are in this picture. Uh, we'd want to see them now youth. We'd want to see them serving, leading different things, growing in Christ. Uh, and many, many more kids delighted to be at church, connecting with God, being raised up to know and love him. 
Uh, we'd want to see the people in that photo and more still, still loving Jesus. That's what we would have looked for, uh, still hoping and looking forward and, yeah, gone through some tough things in life but still trusting Jesus, still wanting to live for him, still putting him first. I, I think if I had stepped out of the picture, I would have wanted to step into a room where I didn't know lots of people, where it wasn't just that, oh, we've, we've gathered some Christians that we know from around the place. I I'd want to step into a room where there's, there's new Christians, people I didn't know, um, a whole bunch of new people. People who've reconnected with church after many years out of church and brand new believers. Uh, we'd want to see the gospel in new homes. We'd want to see children who before had little or no access to Jesus now being raised with a Christian parent or two Christian parents because their parents have been converted. And I'd want to step into that group of people and listen to them chatting to each other. And I think I would have hoped to have heard every conversation saturated in a joyful and delight in honouring Jesus and relating to him. And I guess I want to say, look around. <laughs> uh, it was pretty remarkable as Barry read that out to go, well, I kind of just heard you describe what we're seeing. All these kids jumping around delighted to go off to kids' church uh, because it's fun. They get to go and learn about Jesus in an age-appropriate way. Uh, some of those children there in families where a few years ago they didn't have a parent who loved Jesus, and now they do. Uh, brand new families, a whole new generation of people who are now being raised to know and love Jesus, brought along to youth group, brought along to church, having Bible stories uh, at home, being prayed with. And as we look around, we kind of delight in all God's done amongst us, I guess I want to say, how, do, how, do, how should we feel about it? How should we feel about our role in this? This is, this is something I've been wrestling with. Ten years on, I go, wow, what, what's been my role in this? What's been our role in this? So many different servants, so many different people who've invested so deeply and so heavily over so many years, so many acts of service, so, many, so much generosity, so much gospel witness. And maybe, well, not maybe, I know for a lot of you, that, that is you who, who've done that work, who've invested so deeply over so many years. And, and how should we respond? How should we be feeling and responding as we look around at all that God has done? Well, I think the first thing is that we should be clear about our role, our role in the growth. And Hamish and Ewan read that for us earlier, that passage from 1 Corinthians 3, which is great. Uh, Kind of ironic that Rob was the one to do the kids' church because he's not the uh, agricultural one uh, on, on staff. Uh, but, but it's a great picture, isn't it? That, that great picture of the seed uh, being planted in the soil, the water to make it grow. Um, that, that, that's how it works, isn't it? You, you've got to have seeds. You've got to have water. The seeds have to be good. But ultimately, it's God who gives that growth. But God does news means. That's the first thing I think I wanted to notice about our role. God uses people to make things grow. The, the application of that passage isn't, oh, sit back because God will make it grow. Don't bother planting and watering because God will make it grow. That's not the application. God uses people. His normal and revealed pattern in this creation is that he works through people, planters and waterers. And not just in sort of sowing crops, but in churches. So as we look around at this church, if you've been part of this, it's good and proper to feel a sense of joy. 
a sense of satisfaction, a sense of achievement. They're described here as co-workers who'll be rewarded for their labour. It's good saying, yeah, we, we've laboured. We've done some stuff. We've invested. We've planted some things. We've watered some things. We've invested in one another. We've witnessed to the gospel. Have a look. Um, but for all, all our input, we do have to come back that God makes it grow. Yes, we plant. Yes, we water. Yes, we can have a sense of a satisfaction that, oh, we got to be part of this. But God is the one who gives the growth. Uh, have a look at how Psalm, the psalm writer describes it in Psalm 120. It's a psalm we often come back to. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. So, so there's, a, there's an acknowledgement, isn't there, that God is the one who's going to do this. Nothing will happen in here. Nothing will happen amongst us. Nothing's going to happen in our community unless God does the work. Unless God gives the growth, it's all him. But again, the application isn't, oh, therefore, don't bother putting sentries on your walls. Don't bother building. No, no, build. Watch. Plant. Water. Uh, live this out. Uh, live it out. That's, that's what the application is. The, the, the watchers still watch. The builders still build. The planters still plant. But God is the one who is making it happen. And so as we consider and we see and respond to what our role is, over and under and through that sense of joy and satisfaction that I hope you're feeling today should be running a really profound thankfulness. Um, and, and we deliberately we thought, well, what do we, what do we do when you have 10 years after you've planted a church? Do you have a birthday party? Do you have an anniversary? What do you call it? Well, we want to have a Thanksgiving. Because in and through all this, is this, this satisfaction should run this deep and profound thankfulness. Did you pick that up as Anna read to us from Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica? That, that God has done all this. God is the one that Paul looks to and, and he gives thanks for what has happened in this church. I said that, that, that God is the one who, who chose them. Uh, the evidence uh, that God shows them is, is clear that they received the gospel uh, and not just with a kind of verbal communication, but with power, with kind of commitment, with the Holy Spirit. It, it, it's evident in them because God did something in them. Uh, down at the end of that reading, we recognise that it's actually Jesus who saves them, Jesus who saves from the coming wrath. Actually, through all the letters of the New Testament, that's the the tone, the theme. Uh, it's not a moral improvement program. It's announcement that there is a God who wants to save you, who wants to bring you into his family, who wants to transform you and gather you together as his people. God gives, we receive. That's, that's the pattern of Christianity. And we see that described here as this kind of uh, faith, hope and love. Uh, that's been produced in the Thessalonians. Uh, and, and it's all driven and produced and enabled by God. Yes, they work, but where does that work come from? Well, it comes from faith. Yes, they labour. Well, where does that labour come from? Well, it comes from love. And the wider reading of the New Testament says it's not their own love, but it's the love that Jesus has shown to them. And yes, they've endured, but their endurance has come from the hope that they have 
in Jesus. And having experienced God's love, truly having God given us that faith, hope and love, it is transforming. And and it does produce this life of thankfulness. A a life that's more than just saying I believe something different, but is transformed. Uh, Did you you notice in there that, that Paul describes the message that the people hear over all the known world? He doesn't describe them hearing about this church in Thessalonica who do all these good things. What's the known world hearing about these Thessalonians? All the world has heard of your faith in God. That's what they're famous for. This life of thankfulness is all pointing to their faith in God. But to what end? Why live it out? Why why pursue this transformed life? Well, that's one of the big responses to experiencing God's work in and through us. Uh, If we have truly experienced God's work in us, his love, his forgiveness, his adoption, his peace, if we really experience that, we will be compelled to pass it on. It's one of those evidences. It's it's not a, a law. It's not saying you must do this. It's saying, no, you will. If you've truly experienced God's forgiveness, if you truly know what it is to be without hope and then have hope, you're going to want to pass it on. And Paul describes that uh, as being ambassadors. Uh, In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says exactly those words. He says, having received all this from God, we're, we're compelled. There's a compulsion. Christ's love compels us to do this work. And here's what he says in verse 18. He says, look, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Uh, it's one of my favourite passages because it gives a, a picture of what Paul uh, imagines, describes God's purpose for his church. See, the church isn't a group of people who kind of sit together, shut the doors, stay close and just kind of cheer each other on. The church, the people of God, are ambassadors. Now, in our culture... Uh, we, we know of ambassadors, but it usually we think about an embassy in a foreign country. I remember when I was in England, I lost my passport uh, and I needed a new one. So what do you do? You go to the Australian embassy. I didn't get to speak to the ambassador of, of, of Australia to England, but that, that's where you go. You think, okay, an embassy, an ambassador, there's someone who's representing the nation they're from. Uh, but more commonly, I, I think we, we, we know of it in our, in our culture because of the way International sports teams are described in their expectations. We especially see it when they muck up in the news, don't we? When people say, no, no, you were meant to be representing Australia. Uh, You're playing for Australia, not just on the field, but off the field. You are ambassadors for for our nation. Uh, But actually, I I came across something uh, in the latest Soccer World Cup, and you'll know I don't follow soccer because I call it soccer. Um, but I did notice something, and I, wasn't, I didn't watch any games, so I wouldn't watch that. Um, but I, I, I watched a recording, and I think it's much more interesting. I watched a recording of, of something that happened after one of the games, uh, immediately after. So normally what happens after a, 
football, round football game. Um, the, the teams head off uh, and usually straight to the pub, either to drown their sorrows or to celebrate. But it's a, it's, a, it's a party, it's a celebration, it's we're all doing this together, all the fans, we're all dressed up. But, but there's one nation that that's not what they do, the Japanese nation. Uh, the Japanese fans actually started this habit, culture, of cleaning up after, after a game. And, and it's just remarkable. They're so organised, they come along with blue plastic bags and they hand them out to everyone seating in the stands uh, in the kind of Japanese area. And then when everyone else is off partying, uh, they've won like a big upset game over Germany or something and it was really like, whoa, we weren't expecting that. Instead of out celebrating, they were picking up rubbish after the game, piling it in blue plastic bags before they went out. And it's fascinating. If you watch the interviews, people are wondering, why? Why would you do this? That's not what we do. Uh, and here's a little quote that I pulled from one of those interviews. Here's what they said. They said, to tidy and clean when we leave is a manifestation of our culture. That's what these Japanese fans say. Now, this isn't the Japanese ambassador to the UAE. This isn't the Japanese soccer team, although Google it, say, uh, Japanese soccer team's change room after the game and then Google someone else's, they clean it up. All the towels are folded. They've cleaned it. It's cleaner than when they got there. The other nations, you know, we just leave it trashed because there's someone who's paid to clean. But the, the fans say, so we're, we're Japanese. This is our culture. Why wouldn't we live out our culture here? Just because I'm watching a football game doesn't stop me being Japanese. And they live it out. They live it out. Now, I'm going to call someone up now. Uh, Jenna, would you come up? We can have a little interview. Um, because Jenna's experience of coming to Jesus, I think, parallels this quite closely. Not Jenna's not Japanese or anything like that, but come on up here, Jenna. Okay, we're on. So, Jenna, it's pretty exciting. We prepared some of these questions, so we'll see how we go. Um, <laughs> just over a year ago, you weren't a Christian? No. Weren't church going? No. Didn't read the Bible with your kids? No. Uh, but then not. about 12 months ago, actually here in this building you met someone. Could you tell us kind of what, what were you doing? What, I know it wasn't Sunday. I wasn't here. No, you definitely weren't. Um, so I came to this very building, um, but it wasn't a church event. It was a homeschooling event. Um, so I didn't come in anticipating to meet any Christians. It was just homeschooling. Um, but I remember the moment very, very vividly. It was in this little corner here that I met um, Coralie and her three girls. Um, she was the first person I met that day, um, but out of everyone, she stayed in contact with me. Um, I met lots of people that day, but Coralie um, really made a point of staying in touch with us. Um, and... I wasn't sure that we'd be great friends. We were very different and I knew that from the outset. Um, for those who don't know, I was in the New Age movement, so I was kind of on this different spiritual path. Um, but, yeah, Coralie continued to reach out in a very simple way, just seeing if we'd like to catch up for play dates, um, knowing that we were new to the area um, and I was keen to make friends. So we started to catch up regularly just for little play dates um, and started to forge a bit of a friendship. Yeah, so Coralie's, Coralie's part of our, our church uh, at the time. She's down at Lakes now with her husband. And um, 
as Coralie started to speak to you, so it seems like it was really gentle, really genuine. Yeah. Um, what did it? What, what was going through your emotions as Coralie started to talk about Jesus? Because, like you said, you're in the New Age movement. You were kind of open to spiritual things, but you kind of you're like, no, nope, I know, I got this. <laughs> yeah. What was going through your head as Coralie's? If I'm really like brutally honest, I thought I was spiritually superior, um, which horrifies me now, obviously. Um, but I guess that's what the New Age does. It coats you in this pride, and you think that. You think some pretty wild things in hindsight. Um, but I was very open to Coralie's um, faith. She, at first, it wasn't that she just kind of was like, hi, I love Jesus. It was um, very soft. It was like, I'm a Christian. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's interesting. That's good for you. Um, she slowly started to talk about God. And um, I guess that's where it's really interesting Um it was her very humble peace that she had. She said to me one day, Jenna, I really just trust my future with Jesus. And that really struck me because I was doing all this stuff that was meant to bring me peace. I was saging my house. I was meditating. I was having these crystals and yet I didn't have the peace that Coralie had. Um, and I guess that's what sparked a real curiosity in, in what she had that I didn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's so encouraging to hear that, isn't it, to see that uh, living, out, uh, living out her faith before you. But she also invited you to some stuff, started introducing you to people, to Christians. As you started, you said yes, you started to come along to some things. What was that experience like as you show up in this group of Christians yeah, so um, it was actually this time last year that we started. Um, it was actually this time last year that we started coming to church. So um, we hid in that little back corner, um, would play with the toys, and then actually around this time last year we got invited to the Good Friday brunch that we came along to, and. That was pretty pivotal. Um, we don't have any family ourselves, but we showed up at this event and the sense of family was just overwhelming. Um, Ellis cornered Simon and started chatting his ear off and um, I was lucky enough to be chatting to Angela and Julie and they were sharing um, about their childhood and watching the kids play was like watching cousins and... Um, yeah, it was like a family that we didn't have. And I was like, wow, this is really special. But I did think, oh, this must be a one-off. Like they're putting this on because it's Easter. Um, but we kept coming back to church and dinner kept happening and the family spirit was alive and well here. And, um, yeah, people kept caring about us. Um, Nana Joy kept checking in on me and the kids and, people were inviting me to play dates and those relationships just really started to grow. Yeah, and it's um, been a real pleasure to be kind of part of that journey. Um, you did, did the Life Series, did Christianity Explored, and I can kind of remember seeing that every week another light bulb would come on. <laughs> oh, it's all kind of settling into place. And it was, yeah, it's so exciting to see you coming to faith and, uh, and now hearing that, you know, that, that those courses don't happen in isolation. It's, yeah. it's the, the people around you who are witnessing to you and sharing their lives with you that was such a huge part of it. Um, 
Yeah, as we, I will ask you in a minute what we can pray for as you're trying to um, reach out. I can remember when, you know, pretty early on, you just become a Christian, you're like, oh, I got to tell all my new age friends about this. <laughs> and, and you're really bold and really careful. And it was, it was hard and it's still hard. Yeah. Uh, but before we get on to prayer points, so what's something that you're thankful for in the way that God's been working in you and your family? Oh, man, I'm thankful for so much. Um, it's so beautiful to hear that one of the um, founding prayers, I guess, that Barry had was for families. So back this time last year, Finn was at a Rudolf Steiner school and now he's at Christian Brightwater College with beautiful Anna teaching him growing up as a Christian. And on the way, I'm going to tear up, but um, we were talking about what happens when you finish school. And I said, you know, there's uni, there's TAFE, there's Bible college. And Finn said, I want to go to Bible college. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, and so then, so if it was just me and the kids who started coming to Lake Mac this time last year. And, um, I'm just so excited to share that since then my husband has been welcomed into Jesus's family and we've been doing the life series. We agreed not to cry too much. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah, huge, huge answer to prayer. So much to be thankful for there. But um, you still got a lot of friends who don't, love Jesus. That's very um, true. <laughs> you're working on being an ambassador, trying to get your little Japanese flag out and clean up the yeah. stands. What, what's, what's something as, yeah, what was that? Someone or some, something that you're working on at the moment that we can pray for as, as you try and pass on this amazing good news? Yeah. So um, it's pretty almost horrifying when you hear the good news of Jesus in some ways, like it's such a blessing, but you also just want to get out in those grandstands and scream it, which I feel like I do um, and did loudly on social media. And, you know, it's hard. You do actually get backlash. And um, I thought people would be so excited to hear the truth, but, um, you know, often they're just coded in this pride and um, it's really hard to get through. So I guess my forever prayer is my heart really does go out to the new age movement. Um, I do think there's a lot of true seekers out there who need our prayers to see through the deception. Um, and I think now is no better time to pray for them. Um, but just for our loved ones who are still lost and seeking, um, I'm just, I'm so grateful for this church and for all it's done and just to hear everyone that's come before me um, to bring our family here is so special. So awesome. I thank you all. Let's, let's pray. Our Father God, we come before you so incredibly thankful that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, Father, you see and saw us at our worst and while we're still in rebellion against you, you, you so deeply loved us that you sent your son to die for us, to open the way of forgiveness, to create a ministry of reconciliation where you would bring us back into your family, not just your household as slaves, but as children, as loved children, co-heirs with Christ. And we thank you so much for what you've done in Jenna. Lord, we thank you for Coralie and the countless others who've invested in her, who prayed for her, who've loved her, who've witnessed to her. Uh, and we thank you for opening Jenna's eyes 
They're helping us to see the glory and the beauty of the gospel in Jesus and giving her that peace that she was so desperately searching for. Lord, we thank you uh, for the kids. Thank you that they're now being raised uh, in a home where they get to know and love you and for that beautiful little uh, treasured statement that Finn made. Um, Lord, we, we pray that they will not know a day where they don't love, know your love and respond in faith. Please help Simon and Jenna to be raising them um, and to be modelling your love to them. And Lord, we thank you for Simon. Thank you for bringing him into your family. Thank you for the people who've gathered around him. Thank you for Jenna's witness over this last year, um, sometimes uh, loud uh, and often uh, yeah, quiet uh, and patient. Uh, and we thank you so much for bringing him into your family too. And we pray that you would bless them as a family uh, and that as a family they might be reaching out uh, to their street, to their neighbours, uh, to their colleagues, to their family. And Lord, on that note, we, we do pray for the New Age community. Uh, there are so many people who are so lost, but they are so searching. Uh, as Jenna said, there are genuine seekers there who are seech, seeking peace. Lord, we, we pray that you would introduce us to them, help us to come across them at homeschooling events or anywhere, and please help us to love them. And please draw them to yourself and to other churches who are on mission for Jesus. And Lord, we pray for all our dear ones, uh, our family, our friends, those who are close to us who don't love you. Lord, um, we pray that you would have mercy on them. Lord, we pray that you would open their eyes. We pray that uh, they would see in us something that they want. Lord, even in our failures to live up uh, to, to our own standards, let alone yours, uh, let us respond well to that, to ask for forgiveness, uh, to explain what it is, the hope that we have. Uh, and we pray that you will bring many, many more into your family. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Tony. Well, just a couple more minutes because I want to, uh, I basically want to land on that. We do have a lot more to do. Uh, I am so excited to see Jesus come into the Potter household, a new family who, who love Jesus, kids who want to go to Bible college. How exciting is that? Uh, but we have, we have 25 thousand people in our area uh, that desperately need Jesus uh, and they're probably not going to experience the good news of Jesus uh, they're probably not going to experience the gospel just because we put up a new sign we are planning to put up a new sign uh, we do that we're going to announce churches on we'll put it on Facebook but that's probably not enough we already do those things it's not enough to kind of build an embassy and say, hey, Jesus is here, come and find salvation. That works for some, but not all. And we need to live this life as ambassadors. Um, there's, a, there's an image there uh, of drip lines that I really like as a, to follow the gardening theme. Uh, I do recommend them. Uh, if you're uh, planting a vegetable garden, maybe Robin Kirst, this might be the next... Uh, Next rendition, if, you, if we have another lockdown, so let's hope not. Um, I, I, you lay them out and it's pipe with a little hole every 30 centimetres. And it, it just gives water at just the right spot to the roots of the plants. Um, now, I think that sharing Jesus, being ambassadors, is more like a drip line than like a sprinkler. I think sometimes we think, okay, you've got to plant a church in an area and that church will just sprinkle the gospel out and just soak the whole area with good news of Jesus. Now it'd be great if that happened, but it doesn't. Instead, a new church is like a, a tap or a hub that lays down a new drip line. 
And every Christian is like one of those holes where the water of life leaks out. Uh, every workplace where someone is working in, every street we live in, we've got six sets of neighbours around us that get a little bit of that water of life because we're living close to them. Those drip lines are what happens when we start new things, when new people get converted and start living as ambassadors like those Japanese fans. Now, last year, or the last 10 years, we've been talking about the 25,000 people we've got to reach. Uh, if you've been around, we've been, you'll know now, we've been gifted a new facility in Marmong Point, a church building, which is just gobsmacking, isn't it? So encouraging to see what God's been doing. And it's encouraging because we've been praying about starting our congregation in Toronto for years and planning for it. And that gives us another 25,000 people within a 20-minute drive of that building at Marmong Point. And so we desperately need to lay down drip lines. Uh, it's been great having this service here today, having the room full, some new faces, some old faces, church here, hearing the singing, but maybe 150 people here, and we've got 50,000 people to reach. Generously, maybe 5,000, maybe 10, know Jesus. That's been pretty generous. Most don't. And we need to keep living out this work of being ambassadors, like those Japanese fans. I want to, I want to be a Japanese fan. I want to live like that. I, I want people to see my life and go, you know what I want? What Lamb's got. And listen when I get to share what Jesus offers. And Jesus had that same compassion. Uh, we, we read this, this account in Matthew 9 when Jesus looked out at the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, what's fascinating is if you read on uh, in, in Matthew 9, two verses later, He's just said, you've got to pray that God will send workers to the harvest field. Guess what Jesus does with those 12 disciples two verses later? He sends them out with the message. So be careful what you pray for, because God might use you to answer that prayer. But that's the application here, not just to pray, hey, God, send more workers. Yes, let's pray. Let's give thanks. Let's look to God. But let's be those workers, be those drip lines bit by bit. And I, I pray that over the next decade, we're going to have more stories like that. Uh, hundreds more stories like Jenna's story, where people have met someone from Lake Mac Church who've loved them, who've shared with them, who've witnessed to them. And God has opened their eyes to the good news of Jesus. Uh, and the rest of the band's going to come up now because we're going to sing a song that's been specially chosen. And I guess it's a song prayer and we'll figure out who gets what mic and go from there. Um, but come on up, band, and we'll, uh, we'll sing this prayer.